Hello and welcome to Sharp HR Career Corner with Karen Sharp Price. This podcast will inform and inspire you in your quest to find the right career path. If you're just starting out, looking to make a change in your field or transitioning into a new career, then this podcast is for you. We'll be sharing tips and providing resources on topics such as writing resumes, interviewing, using LinkedIn, and networking. We will take a look at different careers, companies, and opportunities. You will hear success stories from professionals in all career paths, and so much more. You will leave this podcast with three key takeaways that you can easily put into practice. Enjoy! Welcome to Sharp HR Career Corner. I'm Karen Sharp Price. Today we're going to talk to Melissa Laricella, who is a human resource professional, and we're going to learn more about her career story. I was thinking back on how we met, and I cannot remember the first time, so maybe Melissa will be able to help us out. Hi, Melissa. Thanks for being on Sharp HR Career Corner. How are you doing? I'm glad to be here. I'm good. How are you? Do you remember how we met? I'm glad you don't remember, because I remember what I think is our first interaction, which was uh, an email at work about potentially coming to your class, and I thought, why do I recognize this name? I'm kind of embarrassed why I don't know this name. And I looked you up and I'm like, oh, she's in HR. We probably bumped into each other. Um, So when I showed up in class, I'm like, when I see her face, I'll remember where I met her. And then I saw your face and I'm like, I still have no idea how I know this woman. (laughs) So we must have, someone must have made contact with us and we both probably thought we met somewhere, but we're being a little too nice to to admit that we didn't know each other. I I was, you know, usually I try to remember like, you know, what group or, you know, where I met and like, I could not, I could not think of it. You're making me feel better. And we just did a podcast a couple of weeks ago about remembering things about people you meet. So I, I kind of find as we were on that panel, I was thinking, oh, God, but I have no idea. How <laughs> I'll just go back through my emails and see, like, where the first introduction was. That might show us. So, yeah. so as you know, Melissa, I love your career story so much so that I have you come to Damon and you talk to my class. And you've been doing it now for at least a couple of years. And the reason that I love your story so much is because many students find themselves in the same predicament that you were in. You thought that you knew what you wanted, and then you got into it, and then you figured, no, this is not what I want. And you not only changed majors, but you also then took a bigger step and changed universities, which is really, I think, even more difficult. Let's start there. I don't want to give out, you know, the best parts of your story. So why don't you start there and and just kind of run through um, how that all unfolded? Okay, so when I was in co- in high school, I was getting a little nervous towards the end of it. All my friends were picking majors and passions, and they were all good at something. And I I just have an insatiable curiosity about lots of things. So I, I'd ask my parents, I'd ask my guidance counselor, what should I be when I grow up? What should I be? What should I be? And they're like, you need to decide that yourself. And I couldn't really think of much, um, but I had a real big passion for, the, for I was in the theater club. I did the morning announcements. I did. I was the editor of the yearbook and wrote articles for our newsletter. So I thought, you know what? I need to be in journalism. That's it. I'm going to be a journalist. Super interested in politics and government affairs. And I, you know, I'm going to be on CNN one day. So I started looking for the best school to do that. It was Syracuse, and I applied there. I did a couple other schools too in Boston and um, at Tulane, and I got in at Syracuse, but I was waitlisted. So. I, for a moment, I was like, is this a sign? 
like, is this wrong? But I still went, I'm from a small little high school. So I want, I love the idea of going to this huge university. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. So I uh, packed all my stuff up and I went with my best friend who also was going into the new house program. And uh, we started and she started her classes formally and I started to really just kind of audit them while I was on the wait list. And that's kind of really what my career advisor said, like, get some of your electives out of the way, have some fun, you know, don't overload yourself so that you ruin your GPA and, you know, check out a few of the other classes. I did an internship on a radio show and kind of just tried it out. And uh, when I finally got into that first, you know, broadcasting journalism class, hated it. it. It was mind-blowingly not for me. Uh, the people that were around me, just I didn't seem like them. I didn't like it at all. Um, and it wasn't about the end product. I think it was more about like what it really was going to be and how I was going to get there terrified me. So I dropped that major probably about a less than a year in. I got into the following semester and uh, I was very upset. Now I'm at Syracuse, very expensive tuition. And I don't want to admit to my parents that I have zero idea what to do next. So I went and checked out the architecture school because I love architecture, but that doesn't make you good at math. So that didn't work out very well. And then finally I called my parents who were very upset with me. What have you been doing the last year with, you know, if you don't know what you're doing, like you need to come home if you're not going to pick something. I said, what do you think? What do you think? And she's, my parents were so tired of hearing me at this point. They said, we've always thought you'd be a great teacher. And I had known that a lot of people had told me I'm good with kids. I should be a teacher. And I just think at 18, I just didn't want to be what everybody thought I was. So, but I did, I went and did it. Okay. I'll go check it out. I checked out the advisor in the uh, education program. She took a couple of those credits and said, yeah, absolutely. You can pivot at this point. So I, I did that for three years, got all the way to my student teaching and discovered that it wasn't for me either. Uh, I was, I, I loved all my classes, you know, diversity and learning and, and child development and all that great stuff was so intriguing. Um, elementary math, learning the basics and history of math was really cool so that you could break it down on how kids learn it. I enjoyed it very, very much. But then I got into the classroom and I just couldn't wrap my head around why my kids didn't have shoes. I couldn't wrap around why we had outdated books. I couldn't wrap my head around, you know, saving my stipend so that I could pay for school or my books or anything. I'd spend it on my kids for supplies. And, and my teacher like, that was hosting me said, Melissa, you know, I love your passion. You are good at this, but you cannot keep doing this because you will burn out by the time you're 30. And so I tried to scale it back and I, yeah, let's bring it down a notch, Melissa. You're, you're really jumping in. And the last straw was I was sitting in a parent teacher conference and I had my student, you know, my student host, the mentor and a district person sitting with me. And I told a parent, your child is not failing because of me. She's failing because of you. <laughs> and it was very direct. And, you know, she never comes in with her homework done. You should be ashamed of yourself. And both of their mouths are gaping open. The mom looked like she could have hurt me. And we went through a couple more. I behaved myself because I got a talking to. But she pulled me aside and she said, you cannot do that. And I'm like, it's true. Half of my kids don't get their homework done. If they just did their homework, we wouldn't be in all these situations. And she's like, you chill out. You can't talk to parents that way. Your, your team, your collaboration. And I just gave myself so stressed out. So I, I said, I was going to step away. I'm just going to 
take a break. Maybe I'm making another huge mistake. I don't want to get a teaching job and then get fired. So my mom was, got really ill and it was kind of a moment where it's like, I'm going to go home and take care of her. My dad had just gotten a new job and he really couldn't take a lot of time off. So I came home and, you know, under the ruse of taking care of my mom and she was excited to have me there. But I think the intention was always to either go back or figure something out. So I got, um, she got really, really ill. Um, it was to a point where, you know, we weren't sure she's going to live much longer. And she looked up at me one day, she squeezed my hand and said, I can't believe all the work we did. You, your father, me, your school, and all the savings we, we put aside and scholarships and financial aid for you, for me to die without you graduating. My heart is broken. And I'm just like, Oh my God. So I literally like a day or two later raced over to UB, pounded on the door of an academic advisor. um, And we sat down with my crazy transcript of credits, you know, uh, journalism and math and some lots of teaching and child psychology. And she said, wow, well, this is interesting. Um, But we can get you out of here in about a year and a half, probably for a business degree because you did do so many electives. What do you think about business? I was like, business sounds boring. Um, and I'm not good at math. And she's like, well, I can tell because I can see things here. Um, but it's not, a, business is so much more than math. Um, and you've got a lot of human, like, you know, passions and like people. And you can tell you've got that people skill. And what we need more of that in business. Um, so you could check out maybe an HR concentration. She goes, okay, but that's all I got for you. Like, you can't go off to the science school. You can't go off to the engineering school. Um, and there's no point in getting a general ed degree right now. You've got something that you could mold into a degree. So that's what I did. So very, very haphazard. Wow. So my mom is well, by the way. Oh, that's great. She got to see her grandkids and wow. she always gets a kick out of this story. And she's very proud of herself that she got me to finish. So I graduated. Um, and though this whole time I was, I did get a job. I had Syracuse tuition to be paying because I wasn't in school anymore. Wow. So I was working at Verizon. So Verizon also helped with my tuition. They have a great educational assistance program. When I was done with college, I thought somebody was just going to come out of the woodwork and give me a job. And I even went to corporate, which was in Rochester at the time. I'm not sure if it's still there. And I started banging on doors at the HR department. Like, hey, you guys paid for my HR degree. Like, can I apply for a job? We don't have anything open right now. Uh, Like, whoa. Well, will you? Um, can I, can I do anything? And they're like, no, we don't have anything open. Like there's like a whole four of us. What are you thinking? I don't know. You paid for my degree. I kind of thought, (laughs) (laughs) so that broke my heart a little bit. Cause I really like Verizon. It was a great company. So I looked for jobs for probably half a year, but again, I had a good job. Um, always with the passion to get into HR. I had my resume up on bullseye at UB and another alumni grabbed it and called me from ecology and environment. And when she made the offer of $13 an hour, I guessed. I said, no, 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 I got a degree. You know, I w- I'm making far more than that without a degree at Verizon. And she's like, I, I don't know what you want me to tell you. This is what an HR assistant makes. It's, it's entry level. You've got no experience. And there was a moment there where I was like, did I screw this up again? <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, I was in a position and that's what's nice if you're if you're bouncing around and you're not sure, do it while you're young. Because I, while I did have bills to pay, I was able to, you know, have 
move in with my parents for a little bit because I was on my own spending my money and got myself in a situation where I just could afford to do it. I don't know if I could do that later, like much later in life. Yeah. But anyway, ecology and environment was great. It was a great place to get started. Um, my boss was a consummate professional and she, even though I didn't understand it, she taught me a lot of like incremental lessons about, you know, being professional, you know, stepping up to the plate and covering maternity leaves. And at the time I was like, oh, what a waste putting away paper. I'm, you know, I'm running errands for the president when he needs something or filling in for the receptionist. Like, how dare they use me this way? Um, but I always smiled. My parents raised me, you know, even it sounds in my brain, I'm being snarky. You know, always it was a yes, absolutely, sir, whatever I can help you with. I'll be right back. Um, I did those things. And then um, I realized, you know, I don't want to be an assistant forever. And the generalists that I was working with had been there for a bit and they weren't near retirement age yet. So I started working on my master's. And Ian, also had a very good educational assistance plan. So they helped. I, was, I worked there while I worked on my master's and I got to meet a lot of other professionals in the community. I worked with people from the former Praxair, with people from Ingram Micro. And it really grew me up really fast about the way I was looking at business, the way I was looking at myself, the way I was looking at my career. So much so that my perfect, my boss said something different about you. You really could tell you were paying attention at school. You really, you're more pleasant to work with. You know, you seem like you're picking things up. You just seem a lot less stressed. You just seem to understand the world a little bit better. I'm really proud of you. Now, what are you going to do with it? And I was like, I want your job one day. And she's like, it took me 20 years to get this job. And I'm not retiring anytime soon. And I don't think it's wise that you sit there and wait for me to get, for me to retire. Because you may not even get it. You know, the other ladies in the department may get it. So she's like, you need to go out and apply. I had put so much work into that place. And I love that E&E was a great place. Lots of great coworkers, beautiful building, great culture. So I was, I was a bit devastated and upset and scared again of another potential move. So I kind of dragged my feet. And uh, one day the Cintas guy was outside my office. The, the mat, he dropped mats in the front lobby. And I was the closest office to the front door. So I have to sign off on his invoice and make sure he dropped everything. And he said, knowing that this was the HR department, anybody looking for a job? Because we just lost our HR person. I knew that I passed you guys all the time. And I, are you looking? And my boss literally grabbed my resume that we had made for one of my school projects and handed it to him. She goes, yes, this Melissa, Melissa, this is Melissa. She's ready for a new, new opportunity. You give this resume to whomever's looking. Wow. Um, and they called. And that's, I started there a couple months later. Um, so again, an opportunity kind of knocking on the door and I was terrified. Um, it was a, my first management job. So I had to take all the basics of HR. I learned administration and put it to work, but I got to learn some management skills because Cintas has a very great training culture. So I got to learn a lot about, you know, people's learning styles and management styles. And it was my first management job. We had some turnover in leadership. I loved my boss at the time. He really took a chance on me. He got a huge promotion and he even said, I wish I could take you with me, but he couldn't. The new GM and me just didn't get along at all. We just had more oil and water. Oh. Um, he didn't really see the value of HR. He, he wanted to know why I made so much money. Um, and, and my boss, I, I would go to my boss up at corporate and say, what do I do? And she tried to give me tips on how to 
you know, be a professional and just make a difficult relationship work. And it just got so challenging that I started to look. And I got connected with my boss, Anita, from Astronics. They're an aerospace company. So now it's a huge jump, huge industry jump. I went from environmental consulting to services like mats and uniforms to now aerospace. So I had a great phone screen with her and uh, they made me an offer and I started there. I put my notice in at Cintas. Um, I remember my boss coming in at the time saying, so am I supposed to like make you a counter offer or something? Like, am I supposed to put you through an exit interview? I'm like, yes, uh, you should probably put me through an exit interview, but there's no worth giving, me giving myself. You already think I need too much money. What are you going to really give me? Um, so every, every one of these steps was a little bit more of a bump in pay. Um, so now at this point at Astronics, I'm starting to be able to pay for my student loans. I'm starting to be able to contribute towards my mortgage. I'm, I'm competing a little bit more closely or contributing. That's a, that's a play on words. Now. It's probably a Freudian slip. Contributing like my husband does. <laughs> and I really felt like I was hitting my prime, um, sitting at the table with leadership, watching my boss, who was the HR director, um, convince organizational change, helping people come along. And that department was a little bit reminiscent of E&E because I had to do, we did it all from hire to retire. I had a team uh, to help me and we would do everything from looking for those candidates all the way to transitioning people into retirement. So 401k benefits, payroll, got to use all that stuff again. Um, So I did that for five years. And I don't know if you know this, but as of recently, two weeks ago, I came to add another career change. I am now like an HR business partner for Antilia Scientific. Wow. Which is a, a science company and a biotechnology kind That's of company. That's cool. Yeah. So, I mean, it makes no sense industry-wise. At every stop, they'd say, how are you going to translate your skills to? And I'd be like, well, I've done it before. Um, and HR is HR. And I know you think you're very, very unique of an industry, but. People are people, and I can translate these skills. And once I learn your business, I'll be fine. Um, <laughs> they seem to like that answer because I've said it every single interview. <laughs> so lots of steps, and this is now twelve. That's that spans almost fifteen years. Wow! Actually, I have to take that back. That's almost twenty years. Wow. <laughs> I, think, I think last time I told that story, I said 11. Didn't know how old I am. It's, it's how you feel. That's why. Yes. It, it went really fast. Uh-huh. I feel like I remember being in Syracuse and making friends and, um, and volunteering. Uh, so that was, so yes. Yeah, so and I'm still paying those to Syracuse loans. I'll be paying those till my kids go to college, oh. um, but I have no loans from UB and that's where we're at. So today I'm, I'm working for a, a biotechnology company. I'm working on leadership. We just made an acquisition in Buffalo and I'm helping them come along and, and learn what it's like to be part of a big corporation. That's very, very cool. You said a couple of things about your story and one of them just hits home because I hear it all the time. Students that get their degree think that they should start making so much more than what they're offered. And they, mm-hmm. they take it as an insult and they're like, I, you know, I have a degree. I shouldn't be starting at that. I, I didn't have to get my degree to start here. But it's a different mindset because you don't have a lot of experience. And the experience is what at every job that you said that you took, you got a little bit higher salary because mm-hmm. your skill level increased each time. And, yeah. and students have to understand that they, 
no matter if they have a degree or not, they have to start from the bottom and work their way up. Reflect back to the stamps and the dry cleaning and the favors for the executive team. And at the time, my boss would say, I'd say, why are you making me do this stuff? And she, and she said, I go ahead a degree in business. And she said, yeah, you know, those guys are PhDs and they make four times as much as you do. So let's send the HR assistant, which eventually was the HR journalist. Let's send the HR journalist on an errand or let's send the president on an errand. Hmm, Melissa, do some math. I know you're not great at it, but let's do some math. Who should be going to do that errand? Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, but what I didn't really understand, which is why she's brilliant, is that would get me in their office. That would get me them asking me questions. Melissa, hey, could you help me with my flexible spending account? Because then they knew my face and they knew my name and and they and I was pleasant, right? And I, and I didn't say no. So I'd walk out of their office with, you know, an errand to run, but also I, I answered a question for them about their 401k plan. So I always was comfortable talking to people from the entry level all the way up to senior leadership because of that experience. And I didn't get it at the time, but it, it was invaluable. Yes, yes, absolutely. So so tell us, like, what do you enjoy most now that you've been in HR for almost 20 years? <laughs> what do you enjoy the most about HR? It's that moment when somebody's struggling with something, whether it's trying to get a promotion or they don't get along with their supervisor or they don't agree with a company decision and it's really bothering them or they had a, you know, a flub up on the, maybe the production floor and swore or did something unprofessional and now they're being in my office for a bad reason. Um, and you can help frame the situation and the solution to fix whatever the issue is in a way that they can accomplish and a little light bulb goes off and they say, yeah, I can do that. Or yeah, that does make sense to me. Mm-hmm. And then they walk off, you know, you know, and I always try to turn a disciplinary uh, conversation into a, an opportunity for improvement. So when they walk out of my office and they feel better about the organization, they feel better about themselves. They go and have that difficult conversation with their supervisor. I just feel it's so rewarding because that's going to be a better employee that works harder and it all contributes to the success of the company. It makes me feel like, this is why I do this. Um, yes. So that gets me super excited. I, I get those. Those are like priceless moments. That Yeah, I can tell you a bunch of them. I remember my first. I remember the most recent. And wow. those are the moments that you kind of journal about and realize, yeah, this is why I come to work every day. <laughs> so on the flip side of things, what do, you, what do you find is the most challenging in human resources? It's the opposite of that. When you are having a dis- difficult conversation with an employee, when they're furious, or they're angrier. Or they've messed up and now they're being disciplined and, and they don't get why they're being disciplined and they're pointing blame at everybody else but themselves and and you just keep trying and trying you know you know what what can we do in this situation that we can change like what can how can we make this better how can you make sure you're not going to be in my office next week you know let's do this let's do that think about it this way and it's just a brick wall you know they're they're either so far gone because the organization you know messed them up or or did, did something that that they jaded them. And you just can't get them to come along. And they walk out of your office just as angry. And if not angrier, those are the those are the losses that you think. And people, my bosses have always told me throughout history of these, you know, you can't please everyone. You can't yeah. fix everyone. And but I still try. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yep. What my bosses like about me is I don't give up. Um, you know, I don't I don't mark that as as many as the ones where the light bulbs have go, gone off. So you're going to have those as well, which are really deflating. Yeah. Um, you get you get the wins with the losses. 
Okay, that, that makes sense. So let's flip it a little bit. You know, you deal with a lot of job seekers, or you have in the last 20 years. So what is that? <laughs> what is that? I, I can almost double that, so don't, don't worry. <laughs> uh, what, are, what are the pet peeves that you see job seekers do that you wish that, you know, if you had only could have a conversation with them before they get in contact with you, you could probably help their successes. So what are some pet peeves? You know, I actually, um, some awesome, uh, I actually do give people a little bit of advice before a pre-screen because I want to see them be successful. So when they make these mistakes, there's no excuse. Like there's, cause I'm like, Hey, this is how the phone screen's going to be. This is what I'm looking for. Um, to try to make them comfortable. Cause I'd never not want to give somebody an opportunity simply because they're nervous. Yeah. Um, so I kind of give them some tips and a lot of recruiters wow. don't do that. No. Yeah. So I'll say like, I'm going to ask you questions that I could probably get from my, from your resume, but don't tell me, see my resume. So that's one. Don't tell me to see your resume. I have already seen your resume. The reason I'm asking about it is I want to see one, if it's true. Yeah. Two, that you can connect the dots between what you is on that resume and what the job description has. So, cause sometimes you don't have all the qualifications I need. So I need to hear you talk about your job experience. Cause maybe there's something that you didn't put on there, or maybe there's a way you frame it that make me say, aha, I can teach that skill, you know? Right. Um, but I, I get, sometimes my phone screens can be an hour. If I have a great conversation, they're wow. supposed to be a half an hour. Yeah. That's, <laughs> you know that's me, a I long one. Go. Holy smoke. It's super long. <laughs> um, or it could be five minutes. I mean, when, <laughs> Somebody tells me, you know, because a lot of my questions make reference to your past experience. They'll say, see my resume. That's on my resume. Uh, and I shut down. I'm done. You know, because I give you that hint at the beginning and then you do that. So not interested. So that's one. My second biggest pet peeve is white space. You just look, it's like a visual opportunity for more. And so if you have really large margins all the way around uh, and you can't fill that with something, um, whether it be volunteer experience or jobs you had before college, people miss that opportunity to fill that up. You know, and if, you, if you're worried, I'm not going to be able to make a connection. That's up to me. So don't worry about it. And, and a lot of great recruiters that are looking for entry level people, they do like to see that you've had a job. And if it was just babysitting or if it was, you know, working at Tim Hortons, that's all good stuff. Those are great companies that still teach you how to be an employee. And that tells me that I'm not going to have to waste your first year teaching you how to simply be an employee, which is, which is not to be inferred is easy. Right. Um, so white space is another huge pet peeve. Okay. And then the third would be when I talk to entry-level people and they tell me, you know, maybe not see my resume, but they'll say, I haven't done that. So I, a lot, so a lot of my questions are situational. So I'll say something like, tell me about a time that you've dealt with a difficult personality. And I don't know if it's nerves They'll say, Melissa, I just graduated from college. I haven't been in that situation. There's no way. There's no way. So then sometimes I'll give them another one. Okay, tell me about a situation where you had competing priorities and they, and they all seemed as equally important. How'd you get through that? And they'll pause for a second and they'll say, I haven't been in that one either. I, 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 these are easy ones. You know what I mean? Like low yes. ball questions, really mm-hmm. tosses, really easy tosses. And so when you don't give it a stab, even if the, the situation isn't the perfect one and you don't even try, yeah. um, you're not going to get past me. The connecting the dots, I think, is probably the, the biggest thing that people miss out on. Like that one, I think, 
they don't catch it. They don't get that concept of maybe they think they see it on their resume so that everybody else sees it. But yeah, you, you got to give a little bit more to the conversation. So I, I totally. Not even just entry level people. Sometimes I'm talking to really oh, yeah. brilliant people. Yeah. And I don't know the context of their of, of their day-to-day in that job. I'm right. there to assess fit and check personality and see if you have the bare minimum. So if you're a very, and this happened at E&E when I would do screens, and I'm sure it's going to happen at this biotech company, the brilliant people yeah. who would make tell me after I told them not to, to either reference their, their resume or say, why are you asking me that? There's a reason. Take yep. a stab. Um, and you wouldn't <laughs> want to be the perfect candidate that just doesn't get past Melissa because you were just being a jerk, you know? Well, it sounds like you give them every, like, every bit of help to do it, which most times you're out on your own. You, you don't have a chance. Yeah, because you're in a hurry. And I can tell you, sometimes that is the first thing that does go if I'm in a hurry. You know, yeah. if I've got 15 minutes to do your phone screen, I have another one 15 minutes later. Maybe you don't get right. that lecture. I try to fit it in there because yeah. I want to have a successful and brief uh, phone screen. Okay, that, that's great. So we're going to take just a, a minute break here. We're going to play a short game, get to the point. It helps us get to know you a little bit better. Ten random questions. You just give me the answer that pops into your head. So first one, virtual or in-person? Virtual. Pizza or wings? Wings. Hot wings. Okay, hot wings. Social media of choice? Oh, LinkedIn all the way. LinkedIn. Dog or cat? Dog. It's going to be. <laughs> Favorite sandwich? Mmm. I like a good sandwich. Um, there is this sandwich at Louis Deli in Williamsville. It's called the Moon's. It is turkey, um, mortadella cheese. No, it's not mortadella. It's, um... Another Italian name, Fontanella. It's Fontanella cheese. Okay. Really crunchy bread. You gotta get. You gotta be there early because if you're getting this at the end of the day, you won't get the crunchy bread. Um, fire roasted tomatoes and some really awesome oil. It's it's amazing. Wow. If I'm over there, I have to get it, even if it's ten o'clock in the morning. You, you should do a commercial for them. <laughs> I plug. Send me a free sandwich. <laughs> I'm, I'm hungry just listening to you describe it's it. Really good. Um, when they don't have it or, or they're closing, I'm <laughs> Books or music? Music. Favorite place? I read a lot, but I like music more. Okay. Favorite place that you've traveled? I have not been fortunate enough to travel very much. I'm really looking forward to that part of my life. Um, I think I just love the evening, sitting on a dock on a big lake, like Chautauqua or Canandaigua, letting the breeze ring by your hair. I'm at that's heaven for me. I agree with that one. A choice of beverage? wine and phone call or email i really should say phone call but i'm on the line of being a millennial so it's really an email it might be texting for them but okay <laughs> right and texting i'll do that too and yeah. sometimes you know I'll, I'll get into a conversation with someone and they'll say so how did that call go and i was like oh i sent them an email i told you to call <laughs> yeah you did uh, <laughs> I, I, I've actually said that to my employees too, so I giggle a little when I say it because I've totally done it. Yeah. Just, sometimes I'm just so exhausted, like I really don't feel like talking to you. But I should call. <laughs> great, great HR people get on the phone. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Have you set any professional goals for yourself in 2021, and would you like to share one of them? Yeah. So this applies to no matter where you're working. 
I am just fascinated about communication. If it's not good, you fail. If it's, and it's never done. You've got to constantly be reinforcing communication. So I set a goal this year for me to, to slow down a little bit, be intentional with my words, and keep doing it. Because oftentimes, you, I do this myself, and I tell managers all the time to do this. We feel like we said it once, so everyone in the entire org should know it. And that's not how, you know, they were off that day, or they weren't really listening when you said it. So you just got to keep going with the same passion and the same excitement so you can get that message to everyone and people are following along and really listening. That's, that's a very good one. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for playing along. That went by quick. Fun. Yeah, so now we're going to go back to our regular questions. So recently you started your new HR job. Can you tell us a little bit about the company? Like how big is it and how big is the departments and what kind of departments do they have? Things like that. Yeah. So Antilia is a newly branded company. It was no, it was called a Cold Parlor before um, very recently. And they're a biotech company, life sciences and environmental, um, those major divisions. And they're global. They're all over the world. Mm. But... As of January 1st, they bought an Zeptometrics in Buffalo. So Zeptometrics is now a product that is in the global catalog of things that Antilia sells. Okay. So uh, I've been working for that division, which does some really cool stuff with viruses. And uh, they had a really good year last year because of the coronavirus. So really interesting, really new industry. Wow. So you did a great description. You've only been there three weeks. So you, you know your stuff. You did some research on your company. I did some research and I've already been interviewing people. So I got to act like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, that sounded very good to me. You so. to be like, what do you like about working there? And what's the greatest? What do they do? And I, I have to be confident in it. You, you did very well. Oh, good. So I'm a, I'm a team of one. I don't have a staff this time um, it, locally. And then I'm part of a really excellent high caliber HR team uh, that spans the whole world. And it's very much like center of excellence. Like, like we have a really stellar recruitment team. We have a benefits team. We have payroll. We have other HR like business partners like me that do other segments of the country. So when I need something or I need want to bounce something off of somebody, I, you know, I've got that. But then I get to make all the local decisions and partner with the local leaders and set the tone of these particular locations that were formerly Zeptometrics. Wow, that sounds like a great opportunity. Yeah. You get a little bit of everything. Yeah. You know, wow. I like it so far. I asked my guests at the end of the podcast to give us three pieces of advice. What advice would you give college students right now that might have started in a degree working towards a certain major or minor and then realize that this is not where they should be and kind of freeze. They're not sure what to do. Do they make the change? Maybe they're in their, you know, sophomore, junior year. Now what? What do we do? Um, So what advice would you give somebody out there that might be in those shoes? It's going to be really hard to get it wrong would be my first piece of advice. You know, like I, when I, when the experience I had, when I went back to the there was a bunch of credits there, you know, and I, I'm sure I lengthened the amount of time I needed to be in school and that's not the end of the world, but I have met lots of people that, you know, I'm going to take a break or I'm going to think about things that don't end up going back. So I really, if you can keep going at it, I'd recommend that just pick something, you know, don't do basket weaving or anything, but pick something applicable. I, I also think a business degree, and that's because I have one, 
is brilliant because you don't really know if you want to be in accounting or finance. You can just start with business and you can find your way, you can find a job from that. So it'd be first piece of advice. Um, and then two, which I, again, I mentioned like 10 times, I did not know this was happening to me. I, I thought my life was a mess, but it, your life is going to be like this. It's not a straight line unless your parents handed you a job in a, in a successful company and you were groomed for that. You know, not all of us have that story. Your life is going to be a zigzag. You know, I'm going this way and uh, like, as you could tell me, nope, I'm going to go this way. And eventually it'll start to be a bit rounder um, and then maybe a bit straighter. Yeah. So don't worry if the beginning is a mess. Uh, as long as you're learning something in each one of those opportunities, you may take a job you hate, but you still learn something there. And when you talk to that next recruiter, you don't tell them you hate it. You say, this is what I've learned here. And you can get to where you want to go. So I didn't know where I wanted to end up in HR. And I ended up finding that I like that whole generalist like feel where I get to do a little bit of everything. And that's kind of where I am now. I'm like a senior generalist of, of and that I get to work along leaders and help them. And then I guess my third piece of advice. Oh, and then if you can figure out how to do this at a young age, that when things life throws things at you, you're going to be ready. Like you've been through twists and turns before. Right. Uh, people who've had a really easy run, you throw a ball at them and their whole world. <laughs> you know, so yeah. uh, I, I have a lot of scars and I think a lot of people like you like like to hear this story because it was by no means a straight line. So test your yeah. agility now. And then I guess my third piece of advice is realize too that every opportunity is is going to shape your skill set. So when a door opens, you you probably want to go through it because it may not stay open long, and it, it may not, another one may not open. So you're, you're not you could always leave a bad job. So right. if you make a bad move. Unless you're doing something illegal and you go to jail for it, you can really pivot and, and you'll be fine. And, you know, like you saw with my resume, you know, gone are the days where people stay somewhere for 40 years. Right. Good for you if you love it and you have that job and you can. All power to you. There's not a lot of people that can commit, you know, that much time to one organization. So don't yeah. set your expectations there. It probably won't happen. And you've not only given us advice as a job seeker, on things that you should do the next time you have an interview, but you've also given a lot of students really sound advice that it's not the end of the world if you don't know. You really need to use that time when you're young to figure it out and to try a whole bunch of different things until that light bulb goes off and you're like, this is what I want. I mean, I was the same way in junior year of college. I didn't know what I wanted until then. And then I took an HR class and it was like, that was it. Like, Every All the pieces that I thought I wanted to do all came together in human resources, and I didn't even know what human resources was before then. Well, and I, I'll, I'll date, date myself a little bit. It was personnel back then. <laughs> so, but... That right laying around in our companies. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but all of that advice is, is really absolutely true. So, thank you so much, one, for coming to Damon College and talking to my class because... I still learn things from your story. Every time you tell your story, I still get there's something in there that I did not know that about you. That story could take four hours if you let me. <laughs> uh, so I always have a little different spin on it. It's all true, but the different detail that comes out depending on where the story leads. But well, yes, it's a great story. So it's been back and forth. There's a lot to talk about. 
<laughs> so thank you for doing that. And thank you for being a guest on Sharp HR Career Corner. I really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, you're going to be motiv- motivating a lot of people, inspiring them to keep moving forward, to keep trying. And your path starts to clear as you start to pivot and see different things. And all of a sudden, you see where you're headed. And, and that's a great feeling as well. So thank you for that. It's going to come later in your career. You don't need that light bulb in the beginning. Yeah. 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 And when it does go off, you really know it. Like, you know, you, you wait so long for something to hit you over the head to say, this is what you should do. But then when it does, it's so clear. You just have to get to that point. So you keep trying until you, until it happens. So, yep. so it's when, it's when somebody tells you that you're excellent at it and you agree. You know what I mean? Like I've had people tell me, oh, you're so good at this. And I'm like, I hate this. Um, so when you, when you have someone tell you whether it's a performance review or they just sit down to say, thank you. And they say, you're amazing at this. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I am. <laughs> did that happen? <laughs> just kind of appeared. Well, yeah. th- thank you very much. I, I appreciate your time for, for all that you give to the college students and uh, today for my, my Sharp HR Career Corner. So thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Sharp HR Career Corner. If you're a college student not sure what career path that you want to take, please contact Sharp HR. We would love to help you create a plan to try to figure this out. Go to sharphumanresources-buffalo.com for more information. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, I encourage you to download the podcast, leave a comment, and share with others that you know. The more downloads and comments and likes that we get, it's better for our ratings and it makes it so much easier to find us. So thank you in advance for doing that. Until next time, be kind, everyone. We need to show a lot more kindness in the world, and it starts with you and I. So thanks again for listening, and have a great day.